The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Today, the roster prediction show for 2020. All excited to do that. Joining us from Alaska is Josh Reed. How are you doing, Josh? 
I'm doing great, Ken. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome, my friend. It's great to have you on again. This is the third or fourth podcast we've done recently, and uh, uh, looking forward to this one in particular because it's been a crazy camp in terms of you know trying to decide who may make this Ravens roster. Um, yeah, I I, I gotta admit I, I'm a little guilty of uh, you know I think you know Ravens do that pick the team thing every year, and I submitted mine back like weeks ago before the Earl Thomas thing, before the Amon Marshall thing. And I was like, wow, my pick the team thing just totally went out the window. So I won't be winning any kind of prizes from the Ravens this year. <laughs> well, you pick late. You have obviously compete late. So there's, there's strategy to doing it either way, but I think there yeah, is I kind forgot of a about that. spot there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, you write for Maryland sports blog for starters, Twitter, uh, tell the folks what that is. Oh yeah. Uh, the, the Josh Reed nine Oh seven. I believe it is. Yeah. That's I just used that tonight, so I know that I can confirm that. Uh, definitely a good follow there. Make sure you you, uh, you you handle, give Josh in, loop him in, tag him on some uh, discussions you're having. It's always good football talk. Uh, we're going to get right to it here in terms of going position by position through the roster. We do have some overarching considerations, some things that are different about the roster this year. A notable change to injured reserve that could affect some roster decisions pretty significantly that we'll uh, we'll talk about. In fact, why don't we just discuss that up front since it's uh, it's really at the heart and soul of a lot of what's going on with the roster is uh, that there are now in 2020, there are an unlimited number of players who can return from injured reserve or the NFI list. It's a 2020, that's a non-football injury list, 2020 rule only. Oh, yeah, I think it's really, really really smart to do just for this year only. And I wish they would expand it for years going forward, just because I believe it's a really smart thing to do. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I believe back when Matt Elam was still on the team, the Ravens were kind of in a bind of bringing back him, or I forgot who else they had at the, they were considering bringing back, but they ended up going with him. I think it was him and Denny Woodhead, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, um, as far as who to bring back. And I just think that kind of opens the door for a lot of, te- like, you know, guys who may have suffered like a minor injury in training camp or, you know, something that, you know, that really they'll be recovered from like a, a month or two, but it's not like a Derwin James torn meniscus sixth to eight month injury. So I think this opens the door for a lot of cool things for um, team for team flexibility. I, I like it as well, and I think the the old NFL penalty, of course, was you wait eight weeks to come back to the to the roster. So Jimmy Smith last last year was hurt in week one against Miami, put on IR, returned in week nine against the Patriots, and that was a, a you know a long period for the Ravens to deal without his absence. He might not have been injured for that entire period, but that was the earliest that he could return. And so you have to play, you kind of have to play a balancing act, deciding whether you're going to put someone on IR. And the limited number of IR spots in in the past, there used to only be two, made you think hard about who who you would bring back. Yeah, you really have to be judicious about the process and really evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of your team. If you're really light at one position, then you might consider, you know, you know, you got to kind of be forced to make sure that you have somebody that on IR boomerang, as you know, is commonly used in the in the NFL lingo. But um, yeah, I really like this. I really like this 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 new rule just because like you know it, it kind of gives. GMs and other and other front office execs kind of sigh of relief. Okay, we don't have to work our magic you know, on this year's uh, roster. Yeah, I think you know another thing it does. There's there's a not as the eight week rule is not in effect anymore. I think I mentioned this already, but it's only three weeks this year is the is the minimum time you can spend on IR. That's a very large change with any number of players. It is strictly something they're doing for 2020 because they're you know the league lives in fear as they should of a COVID outbreak. 
there are certain positions already with the number of opt-outs where there's some significant shortage of players. We're going to get into that with some of the Ravens positions as we go through this. And they really want to make sure they can get through this season. And one of the one of the levers they have available is to make sure some players that get put on our can be returned if necessary to uh, to fill some important holes. So we'll we'll get to the players. I think this this impacts on the Ravens as we go through position by position. So are we ready to go with that, Josh, or any other comments yep. before we get started? Ready to go. All right. Well, let's hear yours first. Quarterback, we'll start with. Who do you have them keeping and how many, I guess, is the real big, big question. Well, I mean, traditionally, you know, at least for most of the time under the in the John Harbaugh era, they went with just two quarterbacks when they had Joe Flacco and usually Tyrod Taylor or Matt Schaub or some other backup. But ever since Lamar Jackson has been on the roster, they've, they've carried three. So I believe that could that new newfound streak continues this year. And my three, I have Lamar Jackson, obviously um, Robert Griffin, the third and Trace McSorley. Um, now Trace McSorley, from the reports I've been reading from camp, Trace McSorley and uh, Tyler Huntley don't draft a free agent out of Utah. It, they both kind of had up and down camps, but the only reason I believe that Trace, you know, gets the nod over, over Tyler this year is because, you know, with no preseason games, you know, I think the other teams won't have any film on Tyler on Tyler Huntley and the Ravens can probably stash him away in the practice squad. So you, you have him carrying McSorley as the third QB? Yep. Okay. And I'm going with just two QBs this year. There's a, there's a lot of positional need across the roster. The big reason I took only two QBs was it's not that in a COVID year you wouldn't want a third QB. It's just that I think whether it's Huntley or McSorley, it's not a particularly big difference. They did talk last year, interestingly enough, about McSorley being a special teams player. If that were actually going on, he'd be of, he'd be of more use to the Ravens. He'd, he'd be somebody who actually, I think, this year could make the roster based on that alone because the Ravens are kind of short on special teams players as I map it out. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of some of the reasoning behind, uh, you know, Trace McSorley probably making the roster. I know me personally, and I know a lot of Ravens fans were kind of a little disappointed last year because everybody heard all that, you know, Taysom Hill, Trace McSorley comparisons and all that kind of hype that he was going to be this, you know, Swiss Army knife kind of player is going to pay up back on um, on punt on punt teams and stuff like that and run short yardage stuff. And but it really didn't happen. I think he was only active for like what, one or two games last year. So, um, you know, maybe that is part of the, maybe that will come into play in some part of the decision making process for the executives and the coaching staff on Saturday is the fact that, you know, maybe we might play Trace. I don't know if he's been practicing special teams this year per se in training camp but i know that's possibly possibly a reason why they might hold on to him over huntley i haven't heard that and and I, so i'm expecting him to be cut anyway i just think there's too much it's too close between the two of them but let's move on to the next position i think this is a position where we might not uh, disagree at all running back i have him keeping four guys i'll just name them in this case we'll alternate and i have dobbins ingram edwards and hill all making the team uh how about you josh Yep, we're all in agreement there. So, okay, Hill, uh, you know, played a fair amount of special teams last year. Edwards played some special teams as a rookie. In fact, there's one famous moment where he scored a touchdown rushing, then scored a two-point conversion rushing, then had to be <laughs> ran out of the field to cover a kick on the, on the, in a three-play sequence, which is pretty grueling, <laughs> frankly. Hey, but, the uh, more you can do, the more you can do. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we both have four running backs. Um, I, I, I had the fullback position separately. Of course, I've got Ricard there. Yep, I, got, I have Ricard there. Well, I kind of lumped Ricard in with the tight ends um, on the art, in, the, in the article I wrote for doing my predictions for them for MSB. So, But, yeah, I have Ricard as the fullback as well. All right, very good. So tight ends, we'll move on. Uh, who do you have? 
Um, so I have Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, and it was kind of a toss-up for me. Um, but I went with Jarrell Adams simply because I, you know, from the reports I've been reading, they've been pretty. Um, I wouldn't say exactly high on him and Eli Wolf, but there hasn't been much talk about Charles Scarf. I know he's made some plays here in training camp, according to some of the reports. But it's, you know, it's kind of it's, it's more. It was his plays that he that he made were kind of more of a product of Eli Wolf not being healthy more so than him seizing the opportunity. And like I said, he hasn't been doing much with those opportunities. And it's just at least according to the stuff I've been reading. And so I go with Terrell Adams in here just because Greg Roman mentioned him by name and his most recent presser. So, I'll, I mean, if the coaching staff is talking about the guy, that must mean they like the guy. It is a positive. And I did hear Jeff Sreebach tweeted that, that uh, Scarf had been told he'd be cut. And I don't know whether yeah, they, they decided that uh, in advance. And then they didn't do it when the wolf got injured. So apparently the depth wasn't holding up. Then you naturally you want to be safe. You wait an extra day. You see if somebody else gets hurt. In my opinion, I think scarf makes more sense than Adams. Now they could, they could cut him and keep him on the practice squad. And it might make more sense to do that. But I think scarf makes more sense because uh, obviously either one can play special teams, but scarf, if there's an upside to him, you have four years for that to unfold. And Adams will be a free agent at the end of the year. So I always like to have the player with with future optionality. I, Adam's a little better athlete, obviously, uh, not particularly fast though. Uh, I I understand why you might go with Adams over Scarf, but I'm going to go with Scarf in, in in this case and keep him on the roster as a last tight end, despite the uh, the Zrevek comments. And and it could be that that Wolf would be a player that makes the roster while injured. And this is an important point. You have to make the roster in week one or your IR designation is season ending. So if you if you go if you make the roster after sorry, if you make the roster in week one and then you're subsequently placed on IR, your your IR designation is not necessarily season ending and you are eligible to return under these very liberal return rules. So it could be as early as three weeks and he could be back. So if they want him, they they would just put Wolf on the roster. In fact, you know what? I'm changing my answer. I'm putting Wolf in as my third tight end because I think the Ravens want him uh, and they want the younger player. And if they've told Scarf he's out, it really depends on the nature of Wolf's injury, um, whether he's doing that. So I just talked myself into a change already. You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned because that's exactly what I mentioned in my piece. Like, you know, the Ravens really do like Wolf, and I feel like Scar Scarf is kind of like their deep. Because when I originally did my predictions, like my, my first draft, I had Scarf making the third to make as the third tight end just because you know he's been the healthy guy and he's been you know he's been there in, in training camp. I don't want to say he's like flashing, but he's been there. Um, but and you know the upside with Scarf, I agree with you over Adams is yes, his youth, his contract, his contract. Um, uh, eligibility going forward, but also his familiarity with the system. He spent all last year on the practice squad, so he, so he knows the team. He knows the system. He's had more. He's had more over a year to study it, whereas Adams has only had what a month. Um, but I really think they do like Wolf. And like I said, if, if Wolf was healthy, I think he's even if he's not healthy, I do believe that you know after just you know just talking to you about you know the, the IR the IR um, boomerang, I do I do think he's a candidate to get carried over just past the deadline or whenever the deadline is for that be put back on the active roster and then put place in IR. Yeah. We'll see the nature of the injury. I, I, I haven't heard yet how serious Wolf's injury is. So whether it was a, a, uh, you know, two month thing or whether it's a three week thing, they're, they're, they're saying Matt Obike has a week to week injury now that he's starting the season with, but, uh, but Wolf could have a, uh, an injury that would be, um, 
you know, a period of time as well. If it's if it's a very serious injury, obviously he's not a candidate to be on the roster, and 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 my guy would be Scarf again. But I can't have contingent picks. I'm going with Wolf as my my guy to start the year. We ready yeah, to move he, on? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was saying when he when he admit, when he had missed a week of practice previously, they his his destination was undisclosed injury. So they've been kind of hush hush about his injuries here. Um, the first like I said when he, when he first got injured, missed the last week of practice, it was it was undisclosed, and they said that today that um that uh that it was it was gonna it was he just like tweaked a muscle I think in his in his arm so I mean not his arm his leg that's Wolf yeah Wolf okay that's good news that's good news he definitely is a candidate for the for a three week IRDTR then all right all right very good now one of, one of the unfortunate things for me is that he plays a position where I really had a mapped um cut for the uh for that last spot so Scarf for example is a player you can cut from the roster. And, and honestly, maybe Wolf is too. I think Wolf is more likely to be picked up. But if you cut him and leave the spot open, you're more likely to be able to sign that guy uh, after the roster after the roster is set. So uh, you got to look for the spot where you can do that if you if you plan to bring somebody back. Yeah, um, yeah another player that you know, we're about to get into right receivers here, but Chris Moore is another player who I think is it would be uh, – would be a candidate to for one of those for one of those carry in carry him into the you know past the past the roster cut down deadline just to be placed on IR. He's missed all of training camp with a broken finger thus far, but he's one of these key special teams guys. And I'm not really much of a receiver presence from as far as the you know receiving standpoint, but he's a he's a decent um blocker in the run game too. Yeah, I like I like more and you know whenever whatever he's been asked to do, he's done pretty well on the field. He hasn't always been able to you know. M- get his way onto the field. We had some frustrations boil up last season over that. Um, but a good player, uh, to be sure. I was actually mildly surprised they re-signed him. But wide receiver you mentioned, uh, you, you have how many guys you're keeping? I have, what's that? I got Brown, uh, Boykin, Sneed, Duvernay, James Prochet, and uh, Jaleel Scott right now. And um, that's only because I think – the reason I put Jaleel Scott there as of right now is because I think that they're going to carry more over and then put him on IR and then re-sign Jaleel Scott because I don't I'm not sure if he's going to get picked up by anybody. So that's who I have them taking into Week One, maybe not necessarily after the initial round of cuts. Okay, so your 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 roster projection is really for more and not for Scott then. So that's that's in terms of anybody playing the the game with the Ravens. You're you're advising them, I guess, to take more and not take Scott, given the uh, uh, how they would adjudicate the contest. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Just it's just because like I don't I don't see Jaleel Scott, you know, getting on the field, but just a receiver. And I know Don Harbaugh has talked about his improved special teams presence in practice, but. Moore is the proven is the proven special teams guy. So I think that if he's if he's almost healed from his broken finger, then they just carry him into the regular season and just deactivate him until he's healthy. But if they if they really are desperate for special teams guys, you know, enter in week one, and I think they you know put more on IR and then bring back Scott. Okay, all right, uh, that's great. That clarifies that. I've got the same six receivers as you then, with Moore being being the last spot. And I'd agree, he's definitely a candidate for a three week. I think playing special teams, I think it's probably more likely he can do that with a broken finger, splint, whatever. Um, and he would not have value as a wide receiver, but I think he'd still be one of the uh, you know, relatively limited number of players that they count on to cover kicks on this team. 
Yeah, he's definitely one of the best gunners in the league. Nine times out of ten, he's the one down there, first guy down there covering Sam Cook's punch. So I really, I really like him out there as that outside gunner. All right, now we work on to move on to a very difficult position on the offensive line since we've got agreements on most things so far. You've got McSorley and Adams on the roster, and I have Wolf on the roster, and so that's the only distinction. I think I've got an addition to make on the offensive line here, though. Go ahead and you can take us through yours, and I'll I'll tell you mine. Are we splitting them up off, offensive tackle and offensive and interior or just all however, however you'd like on the on the offensive line? You want to talk about all the tackles at once and then all the others? That's fine, too. Oh, yeah, I, I can just go through my tackles uh, real quick. Um, so uh, it was it was a little bit of a toss up for me. You know, of course, we got Ronnie Stanley or Orlando Brown as two bookends. But as far as just, you know, for my roster configuration, I project, you know, Tyree Phillips since he's, you know, it's pretty clear that DJ Fulker is going to be the starting right guard. According to all the reports I've been reading, he's been taking the majority of the first team reps. And so I think Tyree Phillips plays that swing tackle role this year, unless, you know, they, they do keep a guy like a Will Holden. But for as for my, my projection and my piece that I wrote, I put Tyree Phillips as that swing tackle so far. Okay, I'll, I'll address that then directly. I, I think Holden makes the team. He's the surprise on the offensive line, though. They think they're going to have one maneuvering option they can do. Um, Holden is the only guy with left tackle experience. He's played poorly at that position uh, in St. Louis, sorry, in Arizona. Uh, for four starts, I believe, in his career at left tackle. Uh, but that very limited amount of left tackle experience is all the Ravens have. A lot of guys with college left tackle experience, in fact, five at Power 5 schools. Another one, Anger, who they, they I believe they've already cut, played at Cincinnati. So they have lots of guys who played left tackle in college. They don't have lots of guys who played left, have played left tackle at all in the NFL. In fact, I believe, other than Stanley, Holden is the only one in the entire roster who's even played one snap at left tackle as an NFL player. And I'm not counting McCary has played some in the preseason there. Yeah. And that was really like, like the tough one for me when I was doing my number crunching was like, you know, I, I feel like Will Holden is going to make this roster, even though I don't think he deserves to make this roster. I, I agree. He's the 10th best lineman I have. And, you know, I think about this year is that, that the, the NFL is allowing a, a, if you have an eighth offensive lineman active, you get effectively an extra roster spot. Or said differently, you get to have one extra person active on the roster, but only if eight of them are offensive linemen. Only and that right, there, that right there is why I believe that's Will Holden's saving grace. Like I said, from my predictions, like my predictions is kind of, I mean, it's not really personal bias. It's, it's based off reports and off of, you know, what I've, what I've read and what I've seen from these guys, you know, like leading up to, you know, this year. But just like I said, Will Holden, to me, like I said, he doesn't deserve to be on the roster, but I believe because of that kind of loophole in the roster allocation, I think that's going to allow him to be on this year's roster. All right. Well, pretty good chance. There's there is nobody else to play left tackle, and Stanley is is definitely um, a guy who uh, has been hurt a couple of games per year. It seemed, and if there was any extended period, I mean, it's a very scary situation in terms of who's guarding the blind side all of a sudden. Um, in in the event of an injury, do you think Orlando slides over to the left, and then probably holding goes holding goes to right, or do you think they give a guy like Tyree Phillips a chance over at right? Sorry. Okay. If it's Phillips, I think he'd go in at right and right only with Brown shifting to the left because they don't like to change responsibilities. I think if Stanley went down, they'd try and make a one for one exchange for Holden and be clear about that because they really showed a predilection to that last year when they would carry players who were the lesser players just because they knew they could make a one for one change on game day. So I think with eight active on the roster, they'll carry one extra center, one extra guard, one extra tackle, 
So you don't have the, the same sense of a swing player that you used to have. It's a, it's really a backup tackle you carry on an eight deep offensive line roster on game day. So you you, okay. you, you, you can carry Will Holden. You can carry uh, whoever you think is the backup guard, and that's a, that's a very very you know complex field. And you can also carry a backup center as well. Okay. All right, so I'll I'll go through the guards I have on the roster, and then we can talk about centers last, if that's okay with you. So mm-hmm. uh, Fluker, I have, I'm sure you do as well. Uh, yeah. Bozeman, certainly, those guys appear to be the starters. McCary is either the starter at center or the top backup at three positions, probably. I have Ben Powers making the roster. There's been a lot of talk that he may not make it, may get traded before they before the uh, uh, rosters are finalized. Don't address that. I, I, I don't know. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Um. So actually, yeah, I've, I've I actually mentioned that in my piece. Not about him getting traded, but I've I've seen a lot of roster predictions where he's been left off, been the odd man out. And I'm like, I don't I don't know. They feel they're feeling 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 pretty strongly about him. Um, come heading into camp, he's had kind of a lackluster camp up to this point from all the reports that I've been reading. And I highly doubt that they cut Bredesen just because they just they just uh, drafted him this year. But I but I I just. I just think it's too early to give up on Ben Powers, but if they can get some kind of draft capital back for him, he wasn't just a fourth-round pick, then shoot for it. Yeah, he's, I, I think they, they probably will. They traded Jermaine Illuminor, not exactly at the same time Illuminor had been on the roster for one more year, but Ben Powers has three years of cheap time under his current contract with the Ravens. It'd be, it'd be a damn shame if they caught him now and he ends up being a player somewhere else. Uh, they liked him originally. He played well in one game. Obviously, there's a whole hell of a lot more going on at practice that we haven't seen necessarily. But, uh, you know, obviously not privy to that. But I think it's likely they will try and keep powers for one more year, despite all the talk that's going on. And then I think when you get to center, I have Bredesen in, you know, penciled in as a backup center here uh, as well. But I also have Matt Skura making the roster. And I think that he's a player that the Ravens really want to have a sliding decision, a decision they can still change about when they really want to activate him. So I expect to see McCary as the starting center in week one and have Skura be on the initial roster and then be one of these players that they move to IR after week one, because I think they do want him this year. But I think the earliest then that they would have him is week four. Uh, That wouldn't be bad, but they may decide it's going to take him to week seven to get ready. I mean, a horrific knee injury he suffered. There are an unlimited number of people you can bring back. Effectively, the only thing you need to be sure of is that you're going to cut a player here and expose him. And so you better have a certain amount of ambivalence of who you lose to make room for Skura. Yeah, so um, I yes, I have Skura, I have Skura penciled in as the uh, as one of the centers. I, I do believe I'm agreeing with you that um, Patrick McCurry will will he be the week one starter at center. I think he'll be filling in from. Uh, they've been really cautious and kind of just really really careful with bringing back Skura real slowly. From all things I've been reading, hasn't been taking. I mean, he's been he's been he's been involved in practice, but I'm not sure how many full team drills he's been taking just because they don't want him to get rolled up on or anything with that knee. So um, I definitely think that Skura is, like I said, a candidate for him to be one of the guys to be carried over and then placed on that um, on that short term IR. I think that this short term IR is made perfect for a guy like Skura, who's like the working his way back. And his recovery up to this point has been pretty remarkable, you know, according to head coach John Harbaugh. But, um, yeah, I don't think he's quite ready just yet. All right. And I, I, I have to, okay, I have to make a, a change in terms of a roster spot, I believe here. Let me make sure on this. 
No, I'm good. I'm good at present. I know where I'm getting that spot from. Okay, so I have 26 offensive players in total making the squad. How many did you have total? I, I kind of lost track in going through this. You had three yeah, at QB. I have, I have 26 also. So the way I have my article for uh, the sports block, after each position, I put in parentheses, you know, the, the number of players up to this point, and then 53. So all right now I'm at 26 out of 53. Okay, so very unusual that the Ravens have had a, a, any kind of big differentiation between offense and defense. It's usually 25-25. Occasionally, it's 26-24, and if it is, it may be for some roster manipulation that's occurring for week one. But it, but it has been very rare uh, that, they've, that they've had a significant difference between the two. Okay, let's move on to, to, uh, to the defense then. We'll start at cornerback. Uh, why don't you start us off with that position? Um, I have them with Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Tavon Young, Jimmy Smith. And then my fifth corner, fifth and final corner, I have uh, Anthony Averett. I know it's, t- it's kind of light for Ravens. You know, they, they really like having a lot of corners. But I think with, with the way that they use, utilize their safeties and like like their safeties this year, I think they might. And the fact that I believe they're going to carry, they're going to carry, you know, when you're carrying four court, uh, four running backs and three quarterbacks, you know, there's going to be a position that's going to be light somewhere. And I think, you know, due to the injury to Iman Marshall, that this that this year might be cornerback that suffers, the, you know, goes a little light this year. Yeah, it's, it was a it was a much worse injury than people give it, you know, seem to give it significance for. I mean, he's an important special teams player, big hitter, lots of speed. Um, he, he would have been a great player to have on special teams. Uh Still had hopes of him developing as a cornerback. You know, the Ravens traditionally have had a lot of injuries at cornerback, and so it wouldn't be great to have the risk of a couple a couple injuries here. One of the things I did want to talk about at corner was Jimmy Smith, I think. I think basically the fact that the Ravens are carrying six, sorry, only five cornerbacks, and I'm agreeing with you on the exact number, means that they really can't afford to play Smith in any kind of significant deep safety role where his physicality is going to come into play and it's going to be a bigger issue in terms of potentially losing it. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. I've even, you know, even though I've wrote articles about Jimmy Smith playing, you know, safety this year, just because, you know, that's what his coaches and teammates have been talking about. Mark Andrews talked about him playing safety. John Harbaugh talked about him playing safety. You know, Don Week Martindale talked about him playing safety. But I do think just because they they're only going to carry five of those guys this year, I really think Geno Stone, who we're going to get into, we move on to safeties, is going to be that 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 third uh, deep safety back there, help cover the deep middle in case Chuck Clark comes down at the, to play linebacker. So. That's that's my projection. All righty. Well, let's go ahead. Go take us right into safety then. Oh yeah. Well, for well for safeties, I have only have them carrying four. I have them carrying Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, uh, Geno Stone, and Anthony Levine. Like I said, Geno Stone, I I envision him as that similar to a role that Elliott played in those first six games last year. It's kind of like that third safety that came onto the field in obvious passing situations. Anthony Levine still a great dime linebacker and a key special teams player. And then you got your two starters, starters and uh, Clark and Elliott. Okay, I have the same four making the team. Uh, I, I guess kind of an important distinction here is I have Nigel Warrior as a guy who is a uh, drop and recover player. So I think he may be a player that gets re-signed after week one, obviously cut, put on the practice squad. But he's he's definitely a guy where they could have a little bit of ambivalence. They could like another team's safety. They could they could like them. They might lose Warrior. They might not if. If they do cut him, I've heard good things about him from camp. But Levine, Clark, Elliott, Stone, uh, with Clark, Elliott, and Stone forming the corner, uh, the, the triangle of the three-dime offense, sorry, the three-safety-dime defense, 
Boy, I couldn't have gotten that much worse. Um, Stone on the deep end, I agree, probably playing halves a lot of the time with with uh, Elliot. Everything I've heard about Elliot has been has been terrific. Um, in terms of play we had seen previously from Elliot, certainly looks like he has that ranginess to play on the back end. And uh, most importantly this year, with some linebackers being green in terms of uh, you know, Harrison and Queen in particular being being rookies, he's going to need to be very careful about closing down, shutting the window on those passes coming over the middle. And uh, it's, it's a tough assignment because it's it's, he's got to really understand route combinations more than he's ever had to in his very brief NFL career to date. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you on all those points. And I just, um, I, you know, going back to the Warrior thing, I did have Warrior. I, I mentioned him in the, in the piece that I wrote as my wild card to make the roster, just because, like I said, I've, I've read and heard some of the same things about him uh, showing out in, in in camp, and you know, nabbing a couple of interceptions in full team drills. And um, I think, I think he's the he's the one guy. Either him or Wolf are the two guys who I think they can extend the streak of you know undrafted rookie making the week one roster to 17 years in a row. Uh, but I think he, like I said, he's a is a candidate to get cut and then brought back um, after they play some guys in the IR. So I do like Naja Warrior a lot too. But like I said, thankfully there's no pre. You know, there's there's a almost a blessing in disguise for this no preseason thing this year because you can kind of stash all your undrafted free agents that otherwise would have been picked up by other teams. So I think nobody else knows who they are. They haven't been watching anybody else's practice. Exactly. You have no film on these guys. Like, you know, unless you have a mole inside the organization, you have no, you don't know what Nacho Warrior looks like uh, unless you've just been watching some, you know, training camp highlights, which aren't telling you much because you don't know how the guy's coming out of his breaks or anything like that. So I think that's a blessing in disguise. That, that's a great point. And, and the reason people want the guy on the edge of the roster is usually for special teams. And it may even be for special teams, advanced scouting, you know, the Belichick thing of always pick up a Raven, you know, three weeks before you play the Raven or two weeks before you play the Ravens. Uh, you know, if they if they want that, then, you know, they're 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 stuck with the guy and the guy better be able to, to give them some value on the end of their roster. Of course, I think that the, the Ravens, I, I'm sorry, I want to make this point. I'll say the Ravens are very deep. And what that means is that every spot, every last roster spot has a lot of value. There have got to be some other NFL teams where they have three or four roster spots where they're truly ambivalent about it. And I can really only see two on the Ravens being the third tight end and the fifth safety being spots where the Ravens can be truly ambivalent about the players, the options they have there. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. But I was just going back to that New England point that you made. It's funny that you said it because they did the exact same thing last year when uh, when the Ravens released Justin Bethel and then they scooped him up right before yep. they were supposed to play the Ravens. So I thought they're like, oh, you know, he, you know, they sure is right. Um, but um, yeah, I do, I do think like I said there aren't too many ups. They were, I mean, even coming into training camp, there weren't too many spots that are really up for grabs for the Ravens. You know, like I think the I think the the battle for the right guard spot was one of the most hyped. But ultimately, end up kind of being a little anticlimactic just because DJ Fuker kind of started and then ran, ran away with that job, and really nobody kind of posed a threat to him. And that, and, and, and that kind of, it kind of just shows a, a reflection or a microcosm, if you will, of this COVID offseason. You know, you know, the COVID offseason, the guys who are seasoned vets who have been around the been around the block a few times are going to have the advantage over young guys. Even a guy like Powers, who spent all of last year with the team, still was at a disadvantage just because he's. He does. He's never experienced anything like this before. He's only entering the second year and didn't really have a real off season. So I, I don't want the Ravens to give up on Ben Powers just yet. You know, DJ Cooker is just on a one year deal, so I do think he's worth holding on to for at least one more year. 
Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it definitely has been a off-season that's favored the veterans. A lot of people said it, and I wasn't completely buying into it. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely one in terms of how the starting roles are changing that a lot of the veterans have a huge advantage. I still think the Ravens are going to play it very smart in terms of trying to get the multi-year contract optionality of younger players as opposed to, say, a Jarrell Adams. And and we'll see how that fun, how that plays out because, you know, Wolf and Scarf are not such obvious world beaters that they have to be behind an Adams, you know, or sorry, ahead ahead of an Adams if they're equal. It, you know, if, if we're talking players at a higher level where the, where the, where the variance of their future performance is, is greater, you certainly want to keep the, the younger players. But if, but if you're, if all of the players are kind of, uh, just at a, at a kind of a modest, slightly above the NFL replacement level, then it's not as exciting. It's not as necessary to, to, to go with a uh, younger player. Yeah. And that's where I, that's where I think the Ravens might, that's why I think the Ravens might go with a guy like Jarrell Adams at tight end. Um, I really think that, you know, a lot has been made about, you know, replacing the the production of, of Hayden Hurst, you know, after coming into this season, but I really think it's going to be a group effort in taking over that number three tight end spot. I think I think Nick Boyle is going to step up from from a receiver standpoint. I think uh, Patrick Ricard, he's been mm-hmm. practicing in, in the meeting rooms with all the tight ends. I know we've we've talked about him on this pod previously, taking over some more role at that you know at, at tight end, being utilized in that role more. So I do think him and him, the combination of him and Boyle are going to kind of offset some of that loss of Hayden Hurst, and then you will know, throw in a third guy who, like you said, operation level guy. The Ravens will be okay. Yeah, it's, with Ricard, I think part of the part of the the thing getting him more into the passing game, part of the key to that will be not having him taking defensive meetings, not having him trying to trying to wean him off defensive reps entirely. And I know he probably wants to play a little bit of defense, and the Ravens can gain a slight advantage from it. But I think he can return to play emergency defensive line based on what he knows of Martindale schemes and whatnot at, on an as-needed basis to finish a game. But I, I, I would think he does. He really doesn't otherwise need to be used as a situational pass rusher this year with the additional talent the Ravens have on the defensive line, for example. Yeah, and I actually wrote an article about that, I believe last week it was, about his two-way player days being, you know, coming to an end here. Just because, you know, like you said, the additional depth that they've added, you have guys like Justin Matabike and um, and Project Washington who are going to want to, you know, who they can, you know, kind of rotate in there behind Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, and some of the other guys we're about to get into here pretty soon. All right. Inside linebacker, I'm going to go first. Uh, I've got four guys making the roster, and the fourth guy, he would, he would have been a guy I might have had cut, but I think the Ravens' special team situation just keeps uh, bored on the roster. So he stays. Fort, Harrison, and Queen, I think, are the obvious ones. I have forward inside linebacker. Yep, um, I'm right with you. The four inside linebackers, and my fourth, my fourth for, for the same reason that you mentioned, is Chris Borg. You know, he's he was one of the, he's been one of the, the the key special teams guys for the Ravens the past two years. Um, he was in line to be a starter last year, heading into the season, got concussed, and then kind of fell out of contention. But he's still, like I said, one of the best, better special teams guys on the roster. I think he's the fourth linebacker. Yep. Agree, and I, if there was another player who could have stepped up, uh, you know that'd be that'd be interesting. But the Ravens just have too much of a need at special teams. You know, I go through and I I make up my roster. And I try and put an S over every player that I think makes sense for special teams in terms of speed and adaptability to it and whatnot. And you know, you, you need ten guys covering kicks in addition to the punter or kicker. And I've only got about thirteen or fourteen guys on the whole roster. Let me count this up. Four, seven, eight, 
9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, I only have 14 guys who really even could be used in that role. And just to go through this, Edwards and Hill, I don't think Dobbins or Ingram will be used in that role. Whoever the third tight end is, um, that's three. Duvernay, Prochet, and Moore, that's six. I have Averett, seven. I don't want to use any of the other cornerbacks in that role. Don't even really want to use Averett in that role with only five corners. Levine and Stone. I, Elliott has been a monster on special teams, but I think it'd be a huge mistake to use him on special teams this year. Agreed? I, I totally agree with you. I just like, you know, just given his checkered injury history through his first two seasons, he's way too valuable of a guy to lose. And, you know, it, it, it really pains me because I saw an excellent breakdown from Brian Baldinger of the NFL Network. Yes. On, yes. I was like, wow, you know, this guy, you know, he has all the speed, all the aggressiveness, and, and, and he really he's really a guy that's tailor-made for special teams. But, you know, a lot of the times, a lot of the Ravens, you know, like, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say great safeties, but a lot of Ravens safeties and, you know, the, you know, key, key starters, rotational players made their way into the defensive rotation on special teams. You know, they showed that they got that grit, they got that fire, they got that, you know, that the extra thing that they need and all the intangibles of special teams and earn their way into meaningful time on defense. Yeah, absolutely true. And certainly true of, of Levine in terms of earning his dime back role after what forever <laughs> laboring under yeah. Dean Pease without Pease really wanting to play the dime. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, it turned out he, he, he wasn't a, an ugly duckling. He was a swan the whole time. And, and we finally got him in there. All right. So anyway, I, I, I on at safety, Levine Stone and Warrior is the third. Warrior's not even on my initial roster. So, you know, that really cuts it by one. Bort Ford and Harrison, I think, will have to play a fair amount of special teams this year. And then Bowser is the one outside linebacker. And honestly, if he starts to have a big year in terms of impacting the passing game in a different way, I'd probably take him off special teams as well. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I really think Tyus Bowser is going to – I think he's going to have a bigger year than Jalen Ferguson. A lot of people were hyping up Jalen Ferguson heading into camp. He's a little banged up in camp, and, you know, you haven't really heard much buzz about him. But Tyus Bowser's kind of been a talker for the town as far as the outside linebacker position in training camp thus far. So I'm expecting a huge year from him. Yeah, me too. And I think that he will be very specialized in his play this year. He'll be a situational – uh, pass rusher, it's what he was last year, which means he's also a situational coverage guy. It means he plays the highest leverage snaps. He plays them opposite Judon on almost every one of those snaps, not as a replacement for Judon, although he can do that. And, uh, you know, it, it basically puts him, puts Wink in the best position to use scheme in the pass rush with having two guys who can drop on either side of the line of scrimmage. Bowser dropped 40% of the time last year. Uh, Judon 20% of the time last year. So between that's a, that's an unbelievable amount for outside linebackers to drop to coverage. And it's only a product of being willing to blitz with any of nine players that that really can occur. Yeah, quality Sam Lackers are really hard to find. I got I, I got into an argument with this with this person in this Ravens group chat that I was in about Clay Matthews because he said Clay Matthews was trash, and I was like, you just don't understand the game of football. Because this guy would be a perfect Sam Sam linebacker in the Ravens defense. He can he can drop in coverage. He can rush the passer. I mean, this guy has eight sacks in thirteen games with a broken jaw. So if you think that's trash, then I hate to see what you think is hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, that's an interesting point about about him. I, I really haven't looked at him in coverage in recent years, but that would have been one of the real questions is, is can he fit into that? Because if you have a situational pass rusher, you don't want to limit your pass rush scheme by bringing in a pure pass rusher to play one side of third down. I mean, it's, it's, if he's if he's Jadavian Clowney, no problem. If, if he's if he's 
you know, a, a middling guy in terms of he can give you six sacks if he rushes every down on third down the outside. Yeah, maybe I want him, maybe I don't. I mean, I, I prefer to have a guy like Bowser who I think can give you the same sack production and give you a ton of coverage ability. Bowser, one of the best coverage outside linebackers there is. Yeah, I, I definitely love Bowser, and I think that given the Ravens' additional defensive line, uh, interior defensive line depth, it's going to create a lot of more one-on-one uh, -on -one opp opportunities for him on the edge, and I think his sack number is going to go way up this year. All right, so who else do you have making the uh, making the roster at outside linebacker? So I have Judon, Bowser, Ferguson, and McPhee. I think they're just going to roll with four this year. Um, I liked a couple of the undrafted guys, but I just think that given the the amount of defense, interior defensive line depth that they have this year, they're going to go a little light on the edge. Okay, that's that would be a big cut. And, and whether it is either Ward or McPhee, they're kind of in the same boat that they're one-year contract guys. So that the Ravens own no part of either, either future. Um, McPhee obviously has done more in terms of setting the edge, uh, but Ward did some in terms of setting the edge as a replacement for Ferguson at times last year, most notably the San Francisco game. Yeah, actually, I had Ward and um, lumped in with my uh, interior defensive lineman just because he he poses that inside outside versatility. So I think the reason that they go with four natural, you know, true outside linebackers is because they have Ward who can they can who can they can put on the edge too. But I do have Ward making the roster as part of my interior okay. defensive line. All right. So I, I, here's what I always I always ask people to do, and, and no problem. You've you've done this. We've got the same five players, but I say Ward and McPhee. Each of them plays outside linebacker, and they also play in a three-point stance on the inside on pass rush downs. In fact, they play very similarly. They would play opposite, you know, sides of it from a from a three and three tech uh, kind of position at the snap if they're playing five along the line of scrimmage. But the key for me is where do they play on a play where you don't know what the opponent's going to do, run or pass. So in a pure passing situation, anybody can play anyone. You can line up pretty much Bowser on the inside if you wanted to, even though they never really do that. You can line up McPhee and, 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 and Ferguson and Ward, any of those guys on the inside if you want to. But it's where do they play when, you're, when you don't know. And I don't think Ward would take a snap on the inside ever for the Ravens if they thought it might be a running down. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. If you're if you if you're not sure what they're gonna do, I definitely want McPhee out there just because he is the better edge setter of the two. You know, him and Judon, I believe, are the best edge setters on the team at the outside linebacker position. But yeah, if in that situation, I'd, I'd put McPhee on the field. All right, well, let's talk about the defensive line then. So, so you've already allocated a spot to Ward, but give me your other defensive lineman uh, that you think the Ravens will keep. So I have Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Justin Matabike, Broderick Washington. Uh, I already mentioned Jihad Ward, and uh, I have Justin Justin Ellis. I'm not really too confident in Justin Ellis. I think he's going to be a primary backup to to uh, Brandon Williams at nose, but um, I think also think that you know Broderick Washington could fill that role just fine. I think any of the other guys outside of um, Jihad Ward, and unless it's a you know obvious passing situation, uh, would be you know a suitable replacement no tackle if Brandon Williams were to need a breather or something. Well, Brandon Williams will need some breathers, and and Brandon Williams has also missed time occasionally. You know, missed a game, missed or two, and and you know he's missed time because the Ravens really are a completely different defense without him. I mean, you notice it just any time he misses time. I'm the, my main concern about this roster is. They went from a defense that was not pristine by any in any sense against the run, but the one strength they retained in the nickel was the ability to have two strong interior guys. They didn't have they didn't have really great linebackers for stopping the run last year, and they certainly didn't have great edge guys for stopping the run, particularly after McPhee went down. But they did have 
Pierce and Williams, and that really helped them continue to stop the run. They ended up loading up the roster with four nose tackles for the for the back end of the season. Ellis, in my mind, is a guy you want to keep on the roster this year in particular because of the nature of the position. With COVID here, lots of opt-outs on the defensive line. You're going to have less um, talent pool depth on both the OL and the DL. I didn't mention it on the offensive line, but I have him keeping 10 linemen. And I'm on the on the defensive line where I think you can get by with five and pretend like either Ward or maybe Ricard can take some of those snaps. I think they do go with six. So I'm in agreement with the players um, that you have there. I think Ellis makes the team because of the COVID season more than anything else. Yeah, and I like you said, I also mentioned in my piece that you know Brandon Williams has missed time, and he's in you know Ellis is, would be a good a good backup primary backup for him. All right. And so special teams, I assume you have the same old wolf back making it for the ninth straight year. Oh, yeah. And um, did you have a list of practice squad guys that you wanted to go through real quick? Or No, I, I don't have that. I, you know, what I'd like to do with you is to, let's do another show right after the practice squad is named and talk about who those guys, what they really give the Ravens. But do, if you have a, a few you want to name, that's fine right now. Guys, you think that that ought to make the practice squad and be available? Um, yeah, just a few quick names. I have Tyler mm-hmm. Huntley. I think the Ravens will be able to stash him on the practice squad. Um, Josh Nurse, uh, you know, just because you don't, you're yes. only carrying five cornerbacks into this into the season. I think you're going to want a, a, a sixth cornerback just for practice reasons. You know, just you can give guys like Marcus Peters and Ron Humphrey a day off or just a breather and practice. Nigel Warrior, if he doesn't make the final roster, I think mm-hmm. he's a prime candidate for practice squad. Um, Tommy Townsend, um, the former fifth round pick of the of the now Las Vegas Raiders, just to be kind of a you know a, a, a practice. Just leg for Sam for Sam Cook. I know they brought they brought in they initially had I think the guy who was named Dom Domingo or something like that. Um, the undrafted rookie um, the, for a training camp, but I think that. You know, Sam Cook is the longest tenure guy on the team. You know, he's almost 40 years old. And I don't think you're going to be wanting them to wear wearing out his leg in practice all week long, or even in limited limited snaps. So I think um, him, he's a guy. An outside, another outside linebacker, um, Chauncey Rivers from Mississippi State, or uh, uh, John Daka, who they just cut on Monday, but you know could be a guy they bring back to, to you know on a practice squad. Um, I have Christian Christian Welsh. You know, yes. he's yeah, he's another guy who I think it will be a nice developmental prospect, at least to, to be a special teams contributor and compete for roster spot next year. Stash him in a practice squad, and then a couple offensive linemen. I have um, uh, uh, Tristan Colin Castillo, and um, I did have Will Holden on there, but I also think he might also make the roster. So who knows? Okay, so Colon Castillo you had. Okay, I, that's fine. I agree with most of your guys. Christian Welch as a backup, uh, as an inside linebacker. There's a lot of value in him, in Josh Nurse, and in uh, having an additional tight end like Scarf or Wolf or whoever it is around that's on the practice squad who doesn't make it as the third tight end specifically. The NFL's allowing two additional practice squad activations each week and those will be guys probably who can help you on special teams so that'll be an interesting uh you know way to go about things and that just makes you 55 out of 53 but it's only really if you need them for your game day roster that you activate them so uh, you know christian welch would be a good would be a good guy for that josh nurse would be a good guy for that if anybody's suffering with a little bit of a hamstring pull or whatever it might be that keeps them out for one week um, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously the ability to change between your third tight end, between all the minor little injuries that go on in the NFL is quite valuable as well. Yeah, I had Scarf on that list of, of guys. To, you know, he spent all last year on a practice squad, might be mm-hmm. in for another, uh, for another year. I, I, I looked at the, 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 the DACA cut, and I say they're cutting him early. They're probably just going ahead and giving him another chance with other teams. 
That's what that looks like to me. And that's why I think Rivers is the better bet at outside linebacker to stay. Of course, with 16, you could very well keep two outside linebackers on the practice squad. But it seems to me that that when you cut somebody this early, you're probably kind of sending them a message that, hey, you know, give yourself a chance. Let your agent make some phone calls and, and see if you can latch on somewhere else because we, we believe you can play in this league kind of thing. But, uh, you know, we, we just don't have a spot for you on the practice squad this year. But with with the other guys that they're that they're holding on to and and saying wait a minute we can't cut them just yet I think it's a matter of they really want to try and put them on their practice squad. Yeah, especially Chauncey Rivers, he has a connection uh, to Brennan McPhee, so I think he might want to they might want to keep him around just because you know he's familiar with with that kind of that style of player. All right, it's very fun to do this with you. Uh, extremely fun, Josh, and I hope we uh, uh, we get together again soon for another pod. I think we have one more plan still, so uh, we'll uh, let people know when that's up. But uh, we'll try and get this out tomorrow. Hopefully, people can can get a listen before they have to get their final rosters in. And you know, think about some of these other questions, which I think are the interesting ones. Whether or not we're exactly right on the 53, there are a lot of other questions very specific to 2020. Yeah, I mean, this really is a year like a, little, a year unlike any other that we've uh, ever seen, not just in the NFL, but in the world as we know it. I don't think any of us were around for a Spanish flu at the turn of the 20th century. <laughs> so um, this this pandemic has really got everything upside down. Yeah, I just went to the 100th birthday party of on July 18th of a woman who's very near and dear to me. And, you know, a woman actually really raised me. And I'll say that even she cannot remember the Spanish flu. She might have been alive during it at the very tail end of it, but even she cannot remember. Born in 1920. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, uh, let's tell people again where they can read your work and your Twitter handle one more time. Oh, yeah. So you can always uh, reach reach me at uh, joshreed907 on Twitter and on uh, joshreed27 on, on Instagram, also on Facebook, uh, Joshua Reed. And uh, you can always find my work at Maryland Sports Blog. Go, go check us out. We cover all things uh, Maryland, both amateur and professional sports. So um, just go go give us a go give us a read. All right. Terrific. Thanks for coming on. Uh, people who want to be on a film study short, make sure you contact me. Send me a, a focus topic usually is is ideal send me uh two or three bullet points on it by dm is ideal in twitter so i'm at film study ravens uh and it can be a study you've done franchise building idea i look uh, on local boards to see if there are good ravens topics anyway i might be contacting you as well but uh, please don't be shy about contacting me i want to as many people as possible i want to get involved in this process and i uh, always love these discussions josh thanks again for joining us thanks again for having me We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com.
Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.